turn in God's word tonight to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. For those of you visiting uh, or perhaps joining on live stream for the first time, uh, we have been in the book of Hebrews for almost the better part of the year now, I believe, if I look back. And we are now up to chapter 12. And tonight we're going to be considering verses 18 through 29. Although next Lord's Day, we'll be coming back to uh, the end of 28 and 29 uh, as well. But uh, we'll include them in the message tonight, but just briefly. So Hebrews chapter 12, picking it up at verse 18, is where we are at. Let's hear then the very breathed out word of God to us tonight. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's fire the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Almighty God, once again we come to you in prayer. Father, we're just grateful. And, uh, and we come to you, I pray, with reverence and awe, as you are a consuming fire. Father, we do pray that you would grant Pastor Bob the words to speak, the clarity of mind, and that his words would be your words. Also, Lord, we pray that we would have eyes to see, ears that will hear, and hearts that will be softened to receive it. In your son Christ's name we pray, amen. And amen. Thank you, brother. So I'm going to take this section, and and we're going to look at three things from this passage, which is pretty typical for my sermons. But what we're going to look at is, first of all, the two mountains 
that are being spoken of in the beginning section of this passage. Then, secondly, the two bloods that are spoken of. The blood of Abel and the blood of Jesus. And then thirdly, the two kingdoms that are spoken of. The shakable one and the unshakable. But let's go back to the two mountains. Okay? There are two that are being spoken of here. Only one is given a name, but the other one has such a clear presentation, it is unmistakable what the author is referring to. The two names of those mountains are these. One, it's Mount Sinai. That's what is being described for us starting at verse 18. It's being described as the mountain that was a blazing fire, the mountain of darkness, the mountain of gloom, the mountain of a tempest, the mountain from which the sound of a trumpet came. Now, if we were to turn back to Exodus chapter 19, we'd find basically that very same description given. For when the people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they come to Mount Sinai, and God is there to address them as his people. That's the image that they encounter. God gave a law that said no one could touch the mountain. The people, as this passage alludes to, said that's too much. We, 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 this is too much. We, we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear the voice of God. Moses, you go up and be our mediator. You go up and hear what God has to say. But we don't, we don't want to hear. We can't stand to hear. It's the picture of judgment. It's the picture in this of gloom. The other is Mount Zion, which is mentioned for us by name in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion. So those are the two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. But we need to be careful in understanding the location. The one, Mount Sinai, is an earthly mountain. It's in a physical place. Now, oftentimes on our maps, it's indicated as kind of at the bottom there of the Sinai Peninsula as it kind of comes down to a point. Usually we have a little marking there. Stephen, you'll find that in the handbook okay, as well. There's a little marking there to designate. This, this is where Mount Sinai is. However, in recent years, I mean, that was always a guess. Nobody knew for sure. In recent years... There's been some archaeological discoveries that say, well, maybe it really isn't at the bottom. After all, our maps are not inspired by God, right? So there seems to be some indication it might have been more in the Saudi Arabia area. But it's a place on earth. It is a physical locality. It's a place you could journey to. Come July 9, Lord willing, uh, our infinity group, of which Stephen and many others here tonight are a part of. We're going to get on an airplane. We're going to fly, Lord willing, to Boise, Idaho. And we are going to spend the better part of the weekend not only worshiping with our brothers and sisters in the Cloverdale URC, but we're going to see mountains. And we're going to hike mountains. That's just a warning. Okay? 
We're going to hike mountains. We're going to look out and see that. that. Those are physical things. That's what Mount Sinai is. It was a physical location on this earth. But not so with Mount Zion. Notice the description in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. See, there was a physical place called Mount Zion. It's in Jerusalem. It's probably Mount Moriah, the place where Abraham had been called to sacrifice Isaac. It is understood as the place where Jesus is then sacrificed as well upon the cross. But it, but it, there, there, so there was a, a Zion. That's what we're really talking about in that Psalm 87, that physical place. That's what the psalmist is speaking of. But then the psalmist alludes to the fact that it's more than just a physical place. And that's what Jerusalem, and that's what Zion, that's what Mount Zion always is. it's, It's a picture of a greater reality. It's a spiritual reality. The Mount Zion spoken of here is not a spot upon earth. But it is glory. It is the presence of God. It is that to which we are called as God's people. It is where this journey ends. We end at Mount Zion. A heavenly place. Not an earthly one. But then notice that description once again. Notice how unbearable Zion or Mount Sinai was. But you see what the, what the author here, what the Holy Spirit is doing is he is connecting that Mount Sinai with the law, with God's judgment, with God's condemnation. No one could walk away from Mount Zion saying, I'm perfect, I am without sin. All the law can do is condemn, condemn, condemn. All the law can do is bring despair and despair and despair. Oh, God provided beautiful pictures of sacrifice in it. But why are the sacrifices needed? Because of condemnation. That's why the people are like, we don't want to go near this thing. We don't want to be close to it. Now remember, the book of Hebrews is addressed to people in its first writing, in its original writing, to those who have come to know Christ, but they're thinking of going back to Zion. Excuse me, Sinai. They're thinking of going back to the law. They're thinking of going back to to all those rules, all those regulations, the rules of cleansing, the rules of washing, the rules of sacrifice, the rules and rules and rules and rules and rules from which there is only condemnation. And the author, guided by the Holy Spirit, is confronting them and saying, do you realize what you're going back to? Think about this. Think of what's what Sinai was, this place of condemnation, this place of gloom. That's the way the Word describes it. That's not my description. 
The author of Hebrews describes it as darkness and gloom. You see, when you dwell in the law and when you live in the law, that's all there is. It's despair. There is no hope. But in the description of Zion, listen to the words that are used. But you have come to Mount Zion. This is where you are. This is where you are at, people of God. You are at Mount Zion. And what do we find there? We find innumerable angels. What? In drab garb? We find innumerable angels bemoaning. We find innumerable angels in agony. No, they're in festal gathering. This is joy. The angels that you've come, and what do you what do you come to? You know, the moment you and I die as believers, we are in Mount Zion. And, and you know what we're gonna hear? Joy. We're not going to hear, oh, woe is me. Oh, man, the condemnation. All we're going to hear is joy, joy, joy. The angels of God singing his praises, lifting up his name, glorifying his name. They're in a festal gathering, a joyful gathering. But there's more. It's the assembly of the firstborn. That word assembly can also mean church. These are, are those, not only are there angels there, but also those who are the firstborn, those who have been born again, those who by the power of the word and spirit have been born again out of their death and despair and deadness into the new life in Christ. They're there, those firstborn. What else does the passage tell us? And to God, the judge of all. Well, isn't that a negative? No, because read on. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Yes, God, the judge of all, is there. But in Zion, in Zion, there is no more condemnation. In Zion, there is no more gloom. In Zion, there is no more despair. What is there? Saints made righteous who have been now made perfect. And to Jesus. It's interesting how the the author just puts that in, right? You've come to Mount Zion. And what's there? Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your friend. Which mountain? Which mountain are you at today? Stephen stood up amongst us a few moments ago and basically said, If I were to answer that question, Pastor Bob, I am a part of Mount Zion. I am a part of the heavenly kingdom. I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. 
I know that I am a sinner, but that I am saved by grace, and I look to Christ and to Christ alone. I am on and in Mount Zion. Can you say that tonight? Or are you still at Sinai? Are you still under God's wrath and God's condemnation? Are you still bearing your own sin and the curse of your own sin and the judgment of your own sin? You still there? Living in fear? Terrified by the prospect of facing God? Or are you in Zion? Not only facing your judge who has declared you righteous, but facing your Savior and your Lord. Face to face. Secondly, the passage speaks of two bloods. Verse 24. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Well, obviously then, as we talk about these two bloods, the obvious division here is an old covenant division that references Abel's blood and a new covenant that references Jesus' blood. Now, why does he use Abel? Because Abel presents to us the picture of God's judgment upon Cain. Cain spilled Abel's blood. It brought about judgment, condemnation. It brought about a mark upon Cain. He was a wandering man. He had no home. He represents then all that Sinai came to bring full bear upon this world. That in the blood of Abel, in that old covenant, represented there at Sinai, here comes the law with its retribution, with its judgment. But we have come. We have come to Mount Zion, to a new covenant with a new mediator that has the sprinkling of Jesus' blood all over us. Oh, what a beautiful picture, right? I don't appear before God with the blood of others on my hands. I appear before God with the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled upon me, cleansed, washed, renewed. Which blood is covering you tonight? Are you sprinkled with the blood of Jesus? Or are your hands covered with the blood of Abel? 
And you're under God's wrath. You're under God's condemnation. Or has the cross and the shedding of Christ's blood washed you and cleansed you? A few moments ago, Stephen stood up and said, I'm a sinner, but I look for my salvation in Christ alone. In essence, he is saying, I had the blood of Abel upon my hands. I was under God's wrath. I am a sinner. But I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I'm in a new covenant relationship with God. Not the relationship of Sinai, but I'm in the relationship of Zion. I don't have Moses as my mediator coming down and bringing God's judgments to me. I have Jesus Christ as my mediator who brings to me God's forgiveness. Who brings to me the word of grace. Who brings to me the word of hope. Who brings to me the word of cleansing. Whose blood is on you? Somebody's blood. Somebody's blood. Every one of us here tonight has somebody's blood upon us. It's either the blood of that old covenant with Abel, or it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And here's the point. If the blood of Jesus Christ is upon you, then you're a member of a new kingdom. Because you see, the author here in the, through the Spirit brings to us finally this picture of these two kingdoms. One of which is a shakable kingdom. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's not me. It's not even the author when you read through it. It's God. See to it, you don't fail to hear tonight. This may be your last and final opportunity to hear the voice of God speaking to you. It's a somber thought. But it's a real life thought. You could die before you ever hear the voice of God speaking to you again. And what the, the author is pleading with is that these people who are, who are thinking about moving back into Judaism, back into the law, back into Sinai, back into judgment, back into condemnation, that they hear the voice of God speaking. Listen to what God is saying to you tonight. If the blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon you, then you are not part of a shakable kingdom. See, that shaking, right, verse 26, is what took place back at Sinai when you read Exodus 19. The mountain shook. And the people trembled. 
But what do we have here? It's going to happen again. God is going to come and he is going to shake this earth. He is going to shake the heavens. And everything that is not in a firm foundation, everything that does not have its feet planted in Jesus Christ, is going to what? It's going to fall. Because God is going to shake this universe. And that occurs when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ comes again. When he comes, God is going to come and he's going to shake this world. Turn with me. Keep your finger here. Turn with me forward just to 2 Peter quickly. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. There is coming a shaking. When Christ returns, all that is not founded in the fountains of Zion, all that is not cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ is going to be shaken and it's going to be gone and it will be no more. And those souls upon that day that do not have their foundation in Christ spend an eternity in hell. The Holy Spirit is saying to those folks, you go back there. You go back to Judaism. You're going back into the shakable world. You go back into a works righteousness. You go back into a law observing salvation. You're headed to your own destruction. Back to chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful. For what? For receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What an amazing statement. We are receiving and we are part of a kingdom. That nothing in this world, no power of hell, not even Satan himself, can shake us from. Even though he goes about as that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, cannot shake. You know what he can't shake? can't shake the blood of Jesus from off of belief. He can't shake that sprinkling. Oh, he can 
make havoc of our lives. He can make life hard. He can make life difficult. But he can never shake the blood off us. Why? Psalm 87. In the registry of the peoples. God knows who we are. Because we've been washed in the fountain of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have an unshakable kingdom. That's who we are as the church. Too often we don't live like it. Too often we don't act like it. Too often we don't display it to the world. We look like a bunch of fearful cowards too often in this world. It's time that we wake up and understand the spiritual realities of what are ours. And the spiritual realities are far more precious than anything that this world can offer you and I. We have come to Mount Zion. And Stephen stands and made that profession of faith. He planted his feet. He planted his feet in Zion. Oh, it's not because of Stephen. We know that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God. But we heard it tonight. We heard God give to us another example of a young man in his junior year of high school standing amidst the torrent of this age. I follow Jesus Christ. I am part of the unshakable kingdom. That Jesus Christ has established by his coming, by his death, by his resurrection, by his ascension. And is establishing and has established it even now by his rule and by his reign. Oh, what a beautiful and precious promise this verse is. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom. How thankful we can be that in all of life that is happening, whether it be in the world scene, whether it be in the national, the state, or in our own personal lives, our own health, I have a kingdom. That cannot be shaken. Oh, how grateful, how thankful, how joyful we can be in the midst of all that is happening and taking place. But there is more, isn't there? Not only that, that gratefulness, that thankfulness, but then let us offer to God. If that's truly who we are. If we are those who can say, I am on Mount Zion. 
If we can say that it's the blood of Jesus that is sprinkled over my life. If we can say, I am part of that unshakable kingdom. Not only how grateful and thankful we should be, but how worshipful we should be. How desirous to worship and to serve the Lord. How? Well, just as I see fit. God ought to be happy with whatever I do. No. With reverence. and With a sense of awe. I think about that pine tree. And I think, I have an amazing God. Look what he's created. He's created a tree that responds to its circumstances. I have an amazing God. He sprinkled me with the blood of Jesus and made me part of an unshakable kingdom. He deserves my worship, my reverence, my awe. For my God is a consuming fire. Stephen told us by his profession which kingdom he is a part of. Which one are you? Are you still in that shakable kingdom? Are you still trying to work out your own salvation? Still trying to do it your own way? You've turned your back on God. You've turned your back on God's word. You've turned your back on the truth of Jesus Christ. And I have good news for you. Jesus Christ didn't come at that moment. And he didn't come at this moment. Or this one. Because God is gracious. Today is the day of salvation. Do not let this day end. Do not let the drive home. Do not let your walk out of this building come about. without settling the matter of which kingdom you are in. And when you do, praise God. And when you as the people of God who are gathered tonight, family, friends, fellow church members, fellow believers in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be grateful. You're part of a kingdom never to be shaken. Bring to God the worship that He deserves. Live in the joy of that relationship. Live it. Live it. Let it be a difference in your life in this coming week. Don't let this just be one of those sermons where. Yeah, pretty good sermon, yeah. Went a little long, but he made some good points. Never saw that in Hebrews. Don't let it be one of those. Let it be a, a message that you hear from God. Letting you know who you are 
and your standing in Jesus Christ. So that you with the Apostle Paul can say, whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for its reminder to us of who we are in and through Jesus Christ, by your grace, by your mercy. Father, what a joy it is to have heard Stephen's profession tonight, to hear the testimony from his own lips. Father, that he agrees with these statements. He is confident of them. These are the truth. Father, what a blessing that so many of us could could say right along with Stephen, yes, yes, I believe, yes, I believe, yes. Father, we thank you for that work. And we thank you for the foundation of your word that you have given to us to plant our deep, our feet deep into. In Christ's name, for Christ's glory, all God's people say, Amen.